Hi, and welcome to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we discuss Zelda lore. I'm Crystal, with me today is Cameron. Hi, everybody. Today we're going to be talking about Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. You're not too familiar with this game, I heard. Yeah, I've only been able to get like three palaces deep on it, and past that, it's just, it's too hard for me, I can't do it. But how much do you know about the lore of this game? Um... I think I know uh, the basics of it. I, I've got the broad strokes down. And what would you say those broad strokes are? Uh, the broad strokes basically are that Ganon's dead, but for some reason his minions are still running around Hyrule. I think that's the this is the only case in which that's ever happened throughout the entire series. And Link has to go on a quest to revive a Princess Zelda who's different from the Zelda from the first game. And if he dies, then... Ganon's minions will steal his corpse and sprinkle his blood on Ganon's ashes, and Ganon will return and the world ends. Is that true that Ganon's minions never survive his death? I don't think it was true in any of the other stories. I mean, unless you count the um, Bulbins in Twilight Princess as being Ganon's minions, but I think they were actually indigenous to Hyrule. So I guess what would you qualify as a monster? Like Arceus monsters? I don't know. Because I would think those would just be the local fauna. Yeah, that makes sense for Keese, but Moblins? Well, I mean, where do they go when Ganon dies? Away. The same place they go when you kill them. Well, I guess let's let's start by reading the manual, which yeah. is quite a bit longer and more detailed than the manual for the first game. It's got some lore bits in it. I'm really... I, I feel like some of this is good going to be good to talk about. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff to discuss. So starting at the top, it uh, sort of recaps the events of the first game. At the end of a fierce fight, Link overthrew Ganon, took back the Triforce, and rescued Princess Zelda. However, is it all really finished? Many seasons have passed since then. Hyrule was on the road to ruin. The power that the vile heart of Ganon had left behind was causing chaos and disorder in Hyrule. What's more, even after the fall of Ganon, some of his underlings remained, waiting for Ganon's return. Okay, so already... There's a couple things to discuss here that were not present in the first game. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's a fact that even after Ganon dies, his vile heart is causing chaos and disorder. Why do you think that means? This sort of establishes Ganon as some kind of special, maybe not necessarily primordial, but an entity that can live beyond death in some fashion. Whereas in the first game, he was just a big pig. Okay, so it's like he moves from being a big wizard to this almost Sauron-like presence who persists after the end of his physical form. Yeah. Uh. And there's also the idea that, that not only can Ganon return, but he's expected to return. His minions are waiting for it. Oh, yeah, that's true. So they've already established Ganon as deathless in the first paragraph. Yeah, he's definitely more of a, uh, a mystical entity than he was before. Hmm. That's not really something that was communicated much in the first game, I suppose. He was just like a warlord who turned out to be a big monster. I mean, this will come into play later as Ganon is established to be an ancient primordial evil that's reincarnated again and again. But in the first game, there was no hint that he was anything special or that he really appeared before the events of the first game. Mm -hmm. And even here, there still isn't the idea that he's like an ancient enemy of Hyrule. As far as we know, his first appearance was still in the last game. Right. So the key to Ganon's return was the blood of Link, the valiant lad who overthrew the King of Evil. Ganon would be revived by sacrificing Link and sprinkling his blood on the ashes of Ganon. Meanwhile, Link remained in the little kingdom of Hyrule and lent his hand to its restoration, but circumstances did not look very good. 
There's that phrase again, the little kingdom. Yeah, I guess there's two ways you can take that. One is that there's a little kingdom of Hyrule and there's a greater kingdom of Hyrule, or just that Hyrule is only the little kingdom. The thing is that you could still probably argue that the entirety of this game also takes place in the little kingdom, which calls to mind certain questions about its scale. It's like, what is it little compared to? Because this game feels big when you play it. There are other lands established in later games, but there's no references to them here. No, there's very little indication that there's anything to compare them, but to compare Hyrule to. We think we said last episode, I think, that maybe the first game was the Little Kingdom of Hyrule and the second game takes place in the larger landmass. But this seems to imply that this is still the same Little Kingdom. It's just more regions of it. Yeah, I suppose that's the way to take that. Also, I really like the scale on the first image in the story here. Not because it's a little bit goofy where the foreshortening of the characters doesn't quite match the foreshortening of the background, but because the moblins are like building size and busting up walls and stuff by punching them. Yeah, they are intimidating beasts. They look like a bunch of bad guys from Fist of the North Star with dog heads. It should be a Zelda game like Fist of the North Star. Yeah. It should be a raid M and Link should say fuck and have a gun. Okay, we're going to I'm going to I'm going to continue on with the manual story. One day, a strange mark, exactly like the Crest of the Kingdom, appeared on the back of Link's hand as he approached his 16th birthday. The worried Link went to Impa, Princess Zelda's nursemaid, who was shocked and frightened when she saw the birthmark. When she regained her composure, she took Link to the North Castle. Just the fact that Link's age is concretely confirmed here is a little bit surprising to me, because I don't think they ever did that again. Uh, one thing to note here, on the second page of this manual, in the arts of Impa looking at Link's little hand, that is the first appearance of the Triforce symbol. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? That must have made the opening of Link to the Past feel very special for fans back in the day. Okay, continuing. There was a door in the North Castle called the Door That Does Not Open. Well, what the hell else are you going to call it, I guess? Only the descendants of the Impa family who served the king knew how to open the door. Impa took Link's left hand and pressed the back of it against the door. There was a sound of a lock falling open. The door slowly creaked open, and there on an altar in the middle of the room lay a beautiful woman. Here lies Princess Zelda, Impa began to speak calmly. I really like the door that does not open. Because it's not even, cap it's not even capitalized. It's just something they call it. The line here that really interests me is... Only the descendants of the Impa family knew how to open the door. Yes. So there is a whole family of Impas that have served the king since time immemorial. It's like having a whole family of servants all named Butler. So the, the Sheikah do not exist in this game. They won't exist till Ocarina. And in the future, there will be Impas since time immemorial. And this is, I guess, sort of the first concept the series has of a particular character being, I guess, reincarnated would be the word, through the ages. Um, that's very possible, yes. Though, it makes me wonder, because she's only mentioned as being one in a line of Impas about 45 seconds worth of reading before the same is revealed of another character. Which, oh, that, that's really weird. I don't know. I'm not sure really what to take from it exactly. Whether or not they meant to repeat that motif there. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So, Impa continues telling her story. Story of the Ancient King, which goes... 
Link, the time has come when I must tell you the Legend of Zelda yeah. handed down in Hyrule. It is said that a long ago, when Hyrule was one country, hmm. what does that mean? Yeah. A great ruler maintained the peace in Hyrule using the Triforce. So here we have the first idea of what the Triforce is actually supposed to be used for, even though it's pretty vague. Benevolent dictatorship. However, the king too was a child of man, and he died. It's kind of a weird way to say that he is mortal, but okay. Then the prince of the kingdom should have become king and inherited everything, but he could inherit the Triforce only in parts. With knowledge of future games, we know that you need, like, a balance of the spirit to hold the Triforce in full, otherwise it will split apart. But mm -hmm. what do you think it means in this context? In point of fact, I think that it means something very similar to that here. Though that's something that only becomes clear in the context of the rest of the opening story, as it were. So you think that, like, he touched it, he got maybe wisdom and then everything else flew away honestly the kid's an asshole he probably got power yeah maybe that's just how i see it i know that that's not exactly fair to assume but if we're going to do the thing where we apply lore from later games to earlier games and then in ocarina of time the way that it worked is that the piece of the triforce that remained to you would be that which most reflected the values of your heart and this prince is an asshole and he does bad things to try to get the rest of the Triforce. So I figure he's got to have power. Power is traditionally associated with the bad guys. Yeah. So the prince searched everywhere for the missing parts, but he could not find them. Then a magician close to the king brought him some unexpected news. This is also the first appearance of a character that kind of keeps appearing throughout the series. Sometimes they're a magician, sometimes they're a, a seer of some kind. There's always some kind of mysterious mystic close to the king who brings bad news. Yeah, and in this specific case, it's interesting because the magician was close to the king, who was a good man, but the king didn't see fit to get rid of this guy. Before he died, the king had said something about the Triforce to only the younger sister of the prince, Princess Zelda. The prince immediately questioned the princess, but she wouldn't tell him anything. After the prince, the magician threatened to put the princess into an eternal sleep if she did not talk. But even still, she said nothing. In his anger, the magician tried to cast a magic spell on the princess. The surprised prince tried to stop him, but the magician fought off the prince and went on chanting the spell. Then, when the spell was finally cast, Princess Zelda fell on the spot and entered a sleep from which she might never awake. At the same time, the magician also fell down and breathed his last. So this magician is evil, as you can clearly see in the illustrations here. Oh man, he's just like a... Sh he's just linked into the prince's shadow, menacing people while the prince beats poor peasants with whips. But, like you said, he was close to the king... Well, maybe he didn't do the evil stick-to-your-shadow thing when the king was alive. Maybe he was more chill. The thing that really gets me about this part of the story is that the wizard is really, really a piece of shit. But it's not like he's working towards a plan to further his own purposes, because when he finishes casting the spell, he dies. Yeah, it's like this was his entire purpose in life, almost. Yeah, it's like that was his whole thing. He just wanted to curse the princess. To, to what end? A lot of times this kind of character, uh, most notably with Aghanim, 
is considered to be an incarnation of Ganon. That's not really implied here, but do you think that might might work? I think maybe they just... I think on some level that could work if you wanted to read it that way, but I can't help reading it like, well, we need some kind of backstory here. Let's make it magical, but we can't have this wizard still around. We can't have another evil force that's not Ganon. So they kill him. His motivations are just so bizarre. Uh, I guess with the illustration... Uh tying to the shadow you think about the final boss of this game being shadow link maybe there's some kind of connection there that's very possible though it does need to be said that the shadow link isn't actually a force for evil though we'll get to that later i think the thing here is that maybe you can read it as just the wizard is loyal to the king at the expense of himself and when the prince becomes king that's where the wizard's loyalty lies even to his own detriment continuing in his grief, the prince placed the princess in this room. He hoped that someday she would come back to life. So that this tragedy would never be forgotten, he ordered that every female child born into the royal household shall be given the name Zelda. Huh. He ordered that... So the tragedy would never be forgotten, but Impa's the only one who knows what's up. Yes. Okay. Just making sure I've got my head on straight for that one. And uh, Now, this next, this next paragraph, to me, is the most interesting in the entire book. From the stand next to the altar, where Princess Zelda lay in a deep sleep, Impa took six crystals and a scroll with the same crest and handed them to Link. For generations, my family has been handed down these things, which have been set aside for a time when a great king will come. They are written in an ancient script that no one can read now, but you, who have the crest, may be able to read it. It is said that the key to uniting the Triforce is hidden there. Now it is time for you to read it. For a time... When a great king will come. This is implying that Link will be the great king. That only makes sense if he combines the Triforce, which is effectively the embodied mandate to rule. That's not really something that's present in any other game. Link just kind of does his job and then sort of abdicates yeah he hands it off to the royal family because they are the guardians of the triforce and the understanding is that if they ever need him he'll show back up and kick the hell out of evil and that's what it's for but in this game the fact of having the triforce means that link becomes king and that makes the ending really really complicated to me where he gets with zelda yeah, yeah, we we should come back to that uh, after we get to the end of this particular bit. After we after we we'll talk about the end of the game and what that means for the politics of Hyrule. Last paragraph here. Link glanced at the scroll, half in doubt. But what do you know? Although he had never seen the letters before, he found that he could read them as if they were talking to him. This was written on the scroll. You who will control the Triforce of the future. I shall hand down to you the secrets of the Triforce. There are three kinds of Triforce. Power, Wisdom, and Courage. When these three are brought together, the Triforce will show its maximum power. Of the three, I have left power and wisdom in the kingdom. But the Triforce Courage I have hidden for a reason. Not everybody can use the Triforce. It requires a strong character with no evil thoughts. But an inborn special quality is also necessary. Unfortunately, I have not found such a person during my lifetime. Therefore, I have decided to cast a spell on all of Hyrule. A crest will appear on a young man with that character, who has been brought up correctly, has gained many kinds of experiences, and reached a certain age. 
but what will happen if someone else uses the Triforce before then? If it is misused, it will produce many evils. Okay, so when looking at the art of this game, and you see the, tr the Triforce on Link's hand, and with knowledge of future games, you might assume that he, like, earned the right to the Triforce of Courage because of his actions in the previous game. Right. But here, there's the idea that you have to have an inborn special quality. Oh, man. This... There's two things I don't like about the backstory of this game. One is the entire thing with Zelda. And two is the idea that you need to have an inborn quality to use the entire Triforce. Which runs counter to many of the themes from throughout the rest of the series. Uh, save for Twilight Princess. In every other instance where Link has the Triforce of Courage or any part of the Triforce, it is... Because he's overcome many trials and proven himself and basically made himself worthy of carrying it. But here, the idea that you can be either born with that quality or not just kind of rankles a little bit. Well, you've talked about the idea that the spirit of the hero is something that you earn, but it is also a form of reincarnation. You can be born with the spirit of the hero. Can you? Well, like you mentioned, Twilight Princess. I guess, but those are two outliers, aren't they? Well, also in Ocarina, like, Link is a chosen one from the beginning before he does anything. Well, uh, we'll get to that when we get to Ocarina of Time. I don't think it's quite comparable to here, but I think that Link in Ocarina of Time is more of a chosen one brought about by a very different kind of circumstance than simply an accident of his birth. Uh, let's see here. The Triforce of Courage is hidden in the Great Palace in the Valley of Death on the largest island in Hyrule. However, to enter there, you must first fight the Guardians and undo the Binding Force. When you have defeated the Guardians, which I made to prevent enemies from invading the six palaces in Hyrule, set a crystal in the forehead of the statue you find. When you have set crystals in all the statues in the six palaces, the Binding Force placed on the Valley of Death will be removed, and you will be able to enter the Great Palace. There, you must fight the last Guardian, and you can obtain the Triforce only by defeating that Guardian. There's nothing to fear. You are the one to get the Triforce. You are the beacon of hope for Hyrule. So who do you think wrote this letter? Because to me, it seems like it'd be the king that Impa talked about. Yeah, it's 100% the king. I don't know anyone else who would have had either the opportunity or the knowledge to say this. I mean, it, it couldn't be the wizard, could it? Oh, I guess it'll probably be the king. Yeah, I'm thinking the king. If you're going to be casting spells that cover the entire kingdom and create entire palaces full of ultra-strong monsters that manage to prevent Ganon's minions from getting inside, even when Ganon has a piece of the Triforce himself, you probably are carrying the entire Triforce. So it's mentioned that it's written in an ancient script that nobody can read anymore. And in the series, there is the concept of two different scripts, the old Highland script and the new Highland script. But do you think that this king existed that far back? Well, the thing is, we don't really know when the old Hylian script refer... Oh god, this is a timeline discussion all of a sudden. Old Hylian, we think, dates back from either around the time of Ocarina of Time or just a little ways past it. We know that it's pre-flood in Wind Waker, but that's all that we really know about it. Um, was there an even more ancient script in Skyward Sword that had to be translated 
by phi at some point or phi i don't know how to pronounce it i say phi okay hold on the the wiki lists six highland strips no no that's no that's too okay, many okay hold on hold on the first iteration of highland text was in a link to the past with the book of Medora. yeah the second one was in ocarina of time wait uh the third one was in wind waker okay uh fourth was in twilight princess Okay. But it also briefly appears in Skyward Sword. Now that's interesting. The fifth was appears exclusively in Skyward Sword, and the sixth appears in A Link Between Worlds and Breath of the Wild. Huh. So you're referring to actual different uh, oh what is the word? Pictograms? Yes. Some of these are linked to the English alphabet and some of them are linked to Japanese. That's pretty cool. I mean, we could definitely take those as all being different languages. Hyrule's very, very old. It would only make sense if their script had changed several times over the course of the kingdom's history. Yeah, so there's... It could be any one of these scripts. Yeah, we can't We can't necessarily say... We can't even really say that it came from any particular period in time because the antiquity of Hyrule stretches back so far that trying to assign it to any particular spot would require so much guesswork as to be completely arbitrary. So finishing up the uh, story in the manual, Impa implored Link, who raised his hand slowly after reading the scroll. The magic spell cast upon Princess Zelda will surely be broken if the Triforce is used. Please, Link. Unite the Triforce and save the princess, and bring back peace to Hyrule. Link nodded silently in approval, and left the room after taking a long glance at the altar. Then, with a magical sword in his left hand and a magical shield in his right, he set off alone on his long travels. All that time, Ganon's underlings were calling up new allies from the underworld, and were beginning to work devilishly towards the revival of Ganon. Also in this picture, Link's shield clearly has a cross on it because he is a Christian. Please don't do this. Let's do anything else. Anything but this. It indisputably has a cross on it. That is 100% the magic shield from the first game and the magic sword from the first game. That's true. That shield definitely has a big cross on it. But I'm still not doing this thing where we're talking about Christianity and the world of Zelda. We're just not doing it. I guess we can do it. I mean, what more is there to say? I, I, there's... The link of A Link to the Past, Zelda 2 and Zelda 1, is canonically Christian and worships Jesus Christ. Uh, mm. Well, you can say that about A Link to the Past, but we don't actually know that the cross featured here is taken as a Christian symbol. The, our, there's such a removal in time here that the meaning of the cross could be completely different between two different cultures, or one culture with a large enough gap of time. I think if... Link canonically worships Jesus in the Link of the Past. Don't do this. We're going to have to have a discussion. to the NES games. I swear to God. You can probably draw a continuity between the cross symbol. I feel like that's... I mean, yes, you have to make some leaps, but I feel like it's a reasonable and justifiable leap. We're. Go I'm going to actually have an interview ready to talk about that goddamn piece of art as soon as we get to the Link to the Past discussion. But I don't think that in this... Oh... Uh, you know, come to think of it, Miyamoto did end up saying that at the time, Hyrule was on Earth. Did he say that? Oh, he 100% did, and I think it was it was a YouTube interview with him and Aonuma. I cannot remember who did it. It was 20 rapid-fire questions. Ah, uh, God, I wish I could remember who did that. Um, oh, is this one the, of the one where he says Link's name is canonically Link Link? 
I yes, that actually that's the same one. Yes, but Artemis says he has no idea what the name of the planet is, and Miyamoto just says it, it's Earth, I suppose. And Artemis like Earth, and that's also how I reacted. But it's not the case later in the series, but I guess it could be the case here. I mean, Earth is used as a generic term for the world in fantasy settings. Is it? How often? Like, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, Earth is called Earth. Is it? Yeah. I don't... Do they, they refer to the sphere as Earth. Yes. Oh. Because the, he... Well, he doesn't go to space, but he kind of astrally projects himself looking at the globe of the Earth. Uh-huh. And that is referred to as the Earth. Oh, are you sure he's, he's not just referring to the fact that he's looking at a tremendous ball of the element Earth that happens to have a little water on it? Well, that's kind of where the name comes from. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't mean that the, there's... A, you Someone could look at me and say they see flesh. That doesn't mean my name is flesh. I always thought it was dumb to have fake names for planets that don't just mean dirt. I kind of like some different ones. Like, I've read ones where uh, the planets are named something like Mother, and I like that. Okay, I can get behind that. But, it, like, Sarah from Gears of War? Come on. What What does Sarah mean? It's Ares backwards. So it's War Planet. Yes. Oh, well, maybe it's a name they gave to it after, after whatever the... Listen, the Gears of War lore is much too deep for us to get on to in this podcast about nes titles if you were going to suggest that it was colonized it in fact was not humans are indigenous to sarah oh interesting no i wasn't going to suggest that just that maybe they gave it a different name after uh what was that called emergence day no it was always called sarah oh well what the hell is having me oh never fucking mind it doesn't matter it doesn't matter doesn't matter we're doing the deep deep lore dive there's nern in the elder scrolls uh, which means arena. Huh. I, I guess that can kind of make a certain amount of sense if you see the world as being like just this big sandbox set up by the gods. That's what it is in that lore. We oh, talk okay. about Elder Scrolls lore instead of Zelda lore. No, I don't think we want to. I think we want to talk about uh, Zelda lore instead. Okay, what else happens in Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link? Yeah, you tell me. I'm not the one who played the game. You tell me what's up. Well, I mean, Link ventures through the six palaces. He goes through various uh, towns, which have some interesting names, such yeah. as Ruto Town, Rauru Town, Naburu Town, Saria Town, and Darunia Town. I'm seeing a uh, Mido Town over there too. Yeah, Mido Town. Mido is one of the Kokiri, right? Yeah, he's he's the big boss of the Kokiri, actually, in Ocarina of Time. It is amazing how they use these names from Zelda 2 that someone probably made up in like five seconds and they became major characters later in the series. It's it's kind of the balance for me between the parts of Zelda 2's lore that I hate. The fact that these uh, silly town names have become the uh, names of the most important formative sage characters in the entire canon is just delightful. I love it. It's so good. Okay, so... Link goes and breaks down the six palaces. I like how the thing is that the palaces, which are empowered, assumedly, by the magic of the Triforce, have enemies that are way, 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 way scarier than Ganon's crew. It's interesting that this uses kind of the same exact conceit of the last game, which is that there's an overworld with Ganon's minions, like Moblins and such, and then there's the 
main dungeons, which are populated by ostensibly servants of the royal family. Yeah. It sounds like Ganon really needs to get his uh, shit together and uh, up his hiring practices a little bit, because that's two games straight where they have not been able to do anything. So one thing that I do notice is... um, uh, This might be a little bit silly, but early on, these adventures and the setting were a lot more heavily male-coded than the series would end up becoming. Definitely. There's certainly no concept of goddesses. Or female power in any way. All the magic in later games is given to you by embodiments of feminine power, like the fairies. But in this one, it's given to you by old men. Yeah, rescue kids and old men will give you power. Is it all old men who give you new powers? Oh, gosh. Um, You do get quests from women they typically point you towards an old man to get a reward. Hmm. They can restore your magic. Also, this is the game that introduced the idea of Link having magic spells. Yeah. But yeah, like Zelda in future games would usually have a lot of great magical power and would wield the Triforce of Wisdom. She is pretty helpless in both the NES games. It would be really difficult to come up with a version of the character that has less agency than she has in this game. You could argue she has more agency in the first game, and that's something. Yeah, she technically uh, hides the Triforce of Wisdom in the first game. Yeah, yeah. She's just asleep in this one. She don't do nothing. She's literally an object to be rescued at the end. She kisses you. Uh, That's pretty good. Oh, that makes the shipping super canon. Um, do you read the fairies as being feminine coded? Absolutely. Okay. So, when Link can transform into a fairy, how do you read that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know if they were thinking about that very hard. Actually, what was the point of of the fairy spell? You can fly to places, get through small holes, and acquire some secret items. Oh, that's cool. There's some very adorable art of Link in a little pink dress in his fairy form. I do also like that this game is the origin of Urbosa's Fury. Is that so? It's Well, it's not called Urbosa's Fury, but yeah, basically the Thunder spell is just Urbosa's Fury. Yeah, it looks like each spell is earned by a wise man in each of the towns. All power is given to you by old men. Okay. But women can heal your magic and heal your health by inviting you into their bed. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you get the special massage and then you get your evenings back. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It doesn't mean nothing. You know, the ladies canonically referred to as thirsty women. The ones who actually say that they're thirsty? Oh, man. Nintendo was, well, Nintendo of America was like 30 years ahead of the curb on that one. What else is there to say about the lore of this game? Um, okay, uh, how about in the Great Palace? Tell me what happens in the Great Palace. So Link finds through the Great Palace, and at the end of the Great Palace, he must face the final challenge of the game, which is his own shadow. And his own shadow, is that something that's created by a power where we can infer its origin? Is it just a final guardian for him to face off against so it just kind of appears without explanation after you 
kill the previous boss, which is the Thunderbird. Thunderbird. I hear he's tough. But so we don't really know where Link's shadow later to become Dark Link actually came from. But it's easy to assume that it's the thing where you must face yourself to earn the Triforce. Yeah, sort of facing your dark side to achieve the necessary balance or purity or however you would phrase it. Okay, so after you manage to expel the darkness in your own heart by defeating this physical shadow, you get to get the Triforce of Power. Or Courage, Courage, Triforce of Courage. Yes. Okay, and then you go back to the Northern Palace, and what happens? Then you release three pieces of the Triforce, and you wake up Zelda. If Link has the Triforce, he has the entire Triforce in the ending, right? All three of them. Triforce Courage, Triforce Power, and Triforce Wisdom. So the fact that he has all three Triforces, and that Impa's family passed down this lore with the expectation that a great king would appear, and that he clearly immediately enters into some kind of romantic relationship as best communicated under the stringent limitations of the Nintendo Entertainment System platform with the only remaining possible heir of a distant era of Hyrule. By many rights, he is king. There is still the other Princess Zelda. Right. So the question becomes, what the hell happens to her here? I don't believe she has any appearance in this game, even in the manual. She's not mentioned at all. It's like the only thing that happened in the first game was that Ganon died. And it's it's clear that Link didn't actually hand over the Triforces of Wisdom and Power to Zelda. He kept them. It could be said that he went back and borrowed them from her to wake up her ancestor. Well, even if we assume that that's the case, there's the sudden problem that somebody from the distant past who has a stronger claim to the throne than she does, backed by someone carrying the creation engine of the universe, it, it seems like it's a scenario that's ripe for political turmoil. The question is, do either Link or Sleeping Zelda desire the throne? Uh, that's really the question, isn't it? How reliable is prophecy in this setting? Because prophecy says that Link will be a great king. And we know that the Triforce itself is the embodiment of the divine mandate. You could do some things with the sequel to this game, I think. Oh, you really could. This would be interesting as hell. I can't, mm. They should make a Zelda 3. They should make a Zelda 3 and see where it goes course the the royal family in Hyrule are ultimately pretty chill and have really specific rules about things so there's never seems to be any succession uh, squabbles outside of stuff about the Triforce itself so I'm sure they'd come up with a nice way to wrap that up but just a setting where you suddenly have two princesses Zelda and a potential benevolent dictator Link running around that's a that a lot of things change at the end of this game that I think could have been explored if the medium had allowed for it at the time. What is left of this kingdom? Because it's certainly not as desolate as the labyrinths of the first game, but it's still very clearly in well into decline. Right. Though I think part of the implication about how the Golden Age of Hyrule ended 
with the prince's betrayal of Zelda all those years ago leaves open the possibility that with the reunification of the Triforce, you could restore Hyrule to its former glory. That part's always been very vague about how the power of the Triforce is tied to the prosperity of the kingdom. Same thing with the fire in Dark Souls. That's actually something that I... See, here's the thing. I cannot remember for the life of me what the Hyrule Historia says about it, but I always read A Link to the Past as being a sequel to Adventure of Link and The Legend of Zelda, not just as the next game of the series, but also that it would take place later in the timeline. It Even at the time it was released, it was advertised as a prequel. Well, even then, I mean, you've still got the problem that the royal family basically ends the game with the Triforce, yeah? So you're left with two possibilities. Either that this Link to the Past takes place before the backstory of Adventure of Link, or that Link to the Past takes place long after the adventure of this game, when the royal family has the Triforce again. It almost seems like like there is a cycle of the royal family getting the whole Triforce losing it for some reason, and then having to recover it. I think that my least favorite thing about the lore in Zelda in general is this whole idea that the name Zelda comes from this one woman who was put under a magical spell. Even though that's probably <laughs> not the case for multiple iterations of that character. No, that's that's 100% total bullshit retcon. Yeah, it's uh, I, I like that they went back and walked back that particular idea. It's just like, oh, Zelda's a really good name for princesses. We should probably keep using this. And it's like, oh, I, I can buy that. I buy that pretty good. I believe the wording in the Historia is that while many princesses were named Zelda before, it was not until this Zelda that it was the law of the land. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, so that, that is that it all, in the histo Historia, is that only considered part of the... Uh, uh, fall of the hero timeline? Yes. The story considers the whole uh, King story to be after A Link to the Past. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's sort of like the prince just made a law that everyone was going to be doing anyway. Maybe that's why everybody but Impa forgot. Yep. Oh. It's like, oh, we will name them all Zelda. Well, we did that already, asshole. What do you want? I. Uh, uh, and he makes a decree that has no no meaning. Oh no, this is a weird game. It's a weird game in a lot of ways. It's a pretty good game though. Link has spells and he has stats. Oh, that's that's one thing that I really like about it is that Link starts off assumedly as strong as he was at the end of the first game. So the kid who took on Ganon and killed him many years ago, even though he's only 16 now, so God knows how young he was at the time has to grow enormously, just become several times more powerful to complete the quest necessary to gain the Triforce of power, uh, Courage. I don't know why I keep doing that. And Ganon that. even had the Triforce of Power in the first game. Yeah, and Link still kicked the shit out of him. Do you think that just means that Ganon himself is weak or that perhaps the Triforce is not as powerful as it was? I think it just means that Link is a huge badass. Yeah, and Link to the Past, Ganon has the whole Triforce and Link beats him. Oh, uh, that gets into some questions about, like, the nature of the Wise Men's Seal and what the Master Sword is exactly. And 
If the Master Sword can fight the evil magic of a Ghanim and the power of the Triforce, why can't it keep Link from turning into a bunny and all sorts of different things? Well, I mean, the bunny is its true form. No, oh, it's not. It's it is the reflection of what's in his heart. That's it's true. so much better than a wolf. Uh, it is. If it wielded a sword, it would be perfect. Oh, what if he plays a bunny in Twilight Princess? What if there was a, a DLC for Link Between Worlds where you got a costume that just let you be Bunny Link? Yeah. We'll, we'll get into this in a later episode, but it bums me out how Twilight Princess is so very masculine in all respects, oh, it's... right down to the wolf. Oh, we, we are on really the same wavelength when it comes to Twilight Princess, and there's there's some shit about that game. I really like that game, but there's so much about it that bothered me, especially like in comparison to the surrounding games, where the importance of feminine power was played up so much more in comparison. And in Twilight Princess, you get the ultimate version of it, with Minna wearing her full mask and just going sick house and then she gets blown up in half a second by Ganon like she's not even there oh. uh, it wasn't good that Link part. beats him in a sword fight he, he's very strong he pushes back harder than Ganon can push so he beats him by strength of arm which means he's the manliest actually you know what the one good part was when the boar Ganon charges you and you do the same thing as the boar minigame at the beginning of the game that was good that was good, partially because Midna is the one who does the tossing, because Link can't fight that. What else do we have to say about Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, which starts the trend of the next three games where Link will be in the title? Oh, is that in all three? Link's Awakening? I'm not sure that's true. Is that true? Adventure of Link, A Link to the Past, and Link's Awakening. Oh, okay, yeah, I thought you meant the three afterward. Um... I don't know that I actually have anything else to say on it, but my perspective on the game is so limited. I think if I had to say anything about it, is that I'm not sure that this game has aged as well as its predecessor has. I might say it's better than its predecessor. Okay, that's but cool. I just don't like Zelda 1 that much. That's fair. Okay. I mean, yeah, Zelda 1 is, even among its contemporaries, pretty unique in what it does. Whereas this game... Uh, the side-scrolling segments are basically Castlevania. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's cool. It's a, it's a good Castlevania. It's a pretty good Castlevania. Not a good Mega Man. No. And then you have the... I mean, Overworld, which is basically like a light dragon quest. But then when it goes into combat, it becomes Castlevania, which is kind yeah. of a weird action RPG conceit that actually was kind of unique for its time. Yeah. But uh, maybe not in 2017. Yeah. I think my big problem with the game is that I never got good at fighting Iron Knuckles. They're hard. Yeah, it's a hard game. You should try playing it when you're 10 years old and have all the free time. Yeah, but when I was 10 years old, I was playing uh, Super Mario 64, mostly. And then when I was... Oh, did I turn 1, 11, 12? When I turned 12... I think it was 12. No, when I turned 11, Ocarina of Time was out. And that was all you wrote and i can it's hard to go back to adventure of link when you cut your eye teeth on one not only one of the easier games in the series but something that was so formative for the way that the genre worked afterward i don't know why i had so much an easier time with legend of zelda than adventure of link because i think if you compare number of deaths for each player adventure of link probably isn't that much harder than the first game 
but there's something about it. I don't know. I just want to be able to run around the little man and stab him in the back. You can do that with emulator cheats. Oh, well. You can uh, make this game trivial. Uh, you know, that's actually... that that's, that's probably the way to do it. You can luxuriate in the rich non-player characters. Like uh, old man and old woman. Well, and and woman in red dress, we like those. Yeah, thirst thirsty woman. Error. Thirsty, thirsty. Oh, error. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, what was up with error? He wasn't actually an error code, was he? What didn't he say something very similar in Japanese? Yeah, his Japanese dialogue is basically the same. My name is Error. Huh. So the, the other guy, Fagu, uh, props to Legends of Localization for explaining this stuff to me who wouldn't know any of this otherwise uh there's another guy whose name is bug as in computer bug though it was localized as bagu so we've got error and bug and that's just two joke names that they have these are the first real npcs in the whole series and they're jokes uh, apparently bug and error it was also a joke in earthbound beginnings i would not have thought that it's still weird to hear it called that I had to train myself not to call it Mother. What are they going to call Mother 3 when they don't localize I, well, it? Well, I don't think... Well, well, that's an invalid question because they're never going to localize Mother 3. But if they have any sense, they'll call it Earthbound Endings. That doesn't flow off the tongue quite as well. Oh, I like it. What about Earthbound Revelations? How about Earthbound 2 Bloodsport? Earthbound Ascension. Earthbound Evolution. Oh, Earthbound Evolution is just that perfect level. You got it. That's that's the one. Earthbound Evolution. That's the one. That's the one. You did it. They should rename Earthbound 2 to something then. No. No. Earthbound Brotherhood. Uh, why, why has it got to be an Assassin's Creed thing? Why not... Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Assassin's Creed lore. Earthbound Seeds of okay, Evil. So, okay, so... No, the, this the is a Turok Isu. lore podcast now. The tur- Turok lore? Turok lore. We're going to play through Turok 2 live, and then we're going to talk about the lore. I don't know about Turok, but I know about another game starring a Native American called Prey. Uh, you, mm, 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 uh, okay, uh, you may have to find another co-host for that one. Okay, so Morgan Yu no. is on a space station. No, play the you, outro. Don't you want to say her email? What email? Oh, uh, okay. Well, yes, I suppose that I should. If you would like to send in an email to this podcast, you can find us at bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That email address is bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. All right, folks, I've been Crystal, and you can find me on Twitter at ArcaneCrystal. And I'm Cameron, and you can find me at CamWriter. Hey, Cameron. Yeah? What kind of yogurt does Ganon eat? I guess you're gonna tell me. Ganon. <laughs>